righteousness. But God be thanked. Oh, I'm sorry, we'll skip down to verse 19. I speak after the manner of men, because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants, to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death, but now being made free from sin and become servants of God, you have your fruit unto holiness. Fruit unto holiness, see? And the end, everlasting life. And so he talked about, Paul talks, he's writing to believers. He didn't tell them this passage how to be born again. He's speaking to them as born again men and women. Just like God's speaking to us. They're justified freely by His grace. Their position and their standing in Christ is that of a redeemed man. They're sanctified unto God in that sense. And so are we. But then he talks about yielding yourself. You still as believers, who or or what am I going to yield myself to? Even as a Christian, I could yield myself to worldly influences, right? We could at any moment of the day. Or maybe for a pattern in our life. We could actually do that and we probably have at times yielded ourselves to sin into uncleanness into unrighteousness well the fruit of that is going to be unrighteousness doesn't mean i'm not saved if i'm saved i'm saved okay but if i yield myself to the lord unto righteousness and unto holiness and unto the word of god and what he has for me and what he instructs me in his word the fruit of that is going to be holiness a practical holiness where, where my, in my lifestyle, I'm actually living a holy life. It's not just a doctrine, and it's not just a standing, which is real. The standing is real. But in practice, it honors God and glorifies God when in our practice, we're holy unto the Lord. And we reflect back outwardly what God has done for us inwardly. It's very important. And I just... I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about this. When, when faithful obedience to God, we're going to talk about obedience, obedience this morning. Faithful obedience to the Lord and to His Word puts the believer, now understand I'm talking to Christians, and this is not an evangelistic message to try to reach lost people and bring them to Christ. This is for the body. Faithful obedience in the life of the believer, believer puts the believer in a place uh, where God can work that holiness in us and produce that sanctification in our lives. It is the fruit of that. Because the heart's right and the heart's aligned with God and yielded to God. Not that we're perfect, okay? He's perfect. But as a believer, my heart's aligned with the Lord. I'm yielded to God. And it's evidenced by our obedience, you know, there has to be some fruit. There has to be some evidence that I belong to God. I can say I love Jesus all day long, but if I never read his word and I never spend time with the Lord and I don't obey him and I live just like I did before I knew Christ, it's going to be pretty hard to convince anybody that you're saved. You know and God knows if you're saved, but honestly, the Bible says there's going to be fruit. And herein is our Father glorified that you bear much fruit. God wants us to bear that fruit. And that's going to come through a working of God's Spirit. And it's going to come as we faithfully obey the Lord. It's not a life of bondage, okay, to where we're all bound up with rules and regulations. It is a life in the Spirit. 
but life in the Spirit is going to lead us in obedience to the Word of God. And there's joy in that. And there's liberty in that. There's freedom. People on the outside looking in would think that those people at Cornerstone Church or Christians, they're so bound up. They, they can't have any fun. They can't, can't go out and get drunk like us. And they can't go out and, and fornicate like us. They can't go out and watch these shows that we watch or listen to this music or laugh at the jokes. They're so bound up. But the Bible says whoever sins is a slave to sin. They're bound up in sin and don't know we're free in Christ. I'm free from the desire to want to live that way. And as God's working in me to more and more, that's an ongoing thing, right? Our, our practical sanctification is progressive. It's going on. You'll be more like Jesus five years than that from now than you are today, right? Because He's working in us. And so we're, we're, we are free in Christ. I'm not bound up by rules and regulations. I'm, I'm a servant of the Lord. And gladly that. Okay? Willingly that. And we talked a little bit uh, last week about submitting uh, to the Lord. And submission is not where you have a, a wicked or cruel taskmaster and he's beating a slave saying submit. Submit, when the Bible says submit yourselves therefore to God, for example, it's talking about a willing, willingly bringing yourself under the authority of another. I make a choice. You're Lord. I want you to be my Lord. You deserve to be my Lord. I'm thankful that you saved me. I'm glad that you call me by your name and, and that you're not ashamed to be called my God. I willingly submit to you. You're the maker of heaven and earth. You have wonderful thoughts and plans for my life. I want to submit to you in every area, even if I don't like it at the time, even if I don't understand it, even if it seems inconvenient, unpleasant, what, what the Lord's leading me to do, I want to yield to you, Lord. Because I know by faith that what you that you're God and what you have for me is best. Amen. Amen. So it's not this uh, a bunch of bound up with, with regulations to where we can't breathe and enjoy life. Christian who's following God is going to be the most joyful man or woman on the planet. I promise you. Okay, I promise you. And I'll t- testify a little bit about my own life. When I was saved and surrendered my life to the Lord and uh, in high school, and then I lived in a worldly sense in my time, last little bit of high school and into college. That's the most miserable I've ever been in my life. Five years of my life. Doesn't have to be that way. Don't do it, okay? But to be saved and to live in the world is miserable. It would be better. I can understand why the Lord says I'd rather you be hot or cold. I understand it. I personally get it. Because He says, if you're, if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. And I was lukewarm. It's not a good place to be. Be on fire for God and live for Him. If you're lost, you're lost. You can't be saved. Praise God. But if you're saved, live for God. All the way. Not one foot in the world and one foot uh, with the Lord. So let's talk about it for just a little while here this morning. If I am uh, disobeying the Lord, I'm going, to, I'm going to hinder my own personal progress with God. Would you agree with that? As a Christian, I'm saved. But I'm walking in disobedience. Pretty much if you were to characterize my life, it would be characterized by disobedience. I am going to hinder my own spiritual progress. Okay? And, and let's compare two people. Let's say there are two people. They're just as saved. They're positioned in Christ. They're on the rock on Jesus. They're fit for heaven. They're justified. One believer yields. 
completely. He's, his heart's just broken. He's with a sincere heart. God, I give you everything. Now, he might have to pray that again later down the road, you know, when he realizes he's holding on to some worldly things or whatever. But let's just say his heart wants to yield and he's made a commitment to yield everything to God, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He's seeking Him. Uh, he's quick to obey the Lord. He wants to know what God's will is. He obeys the Lord. And when he sins, he's quick to repent and be forgiven and confess it to God. Okay? Uh, he delights himself in the Lord and in the Word of God and so forth. He prays to be filled with the Spirit. This man is going to grow faster in the Lord. This is not rocket science. This man is going to grow faster in the Lord than another believer. Let's say it's this contemporary right here that's all kind of caught up in the world right now. And God's sort of on the back burner of his life. He's not in the forefront of his mind, his thoughts. He's not walking in obedience to the Lord. Now, God's not a respecter of persons, but which of these two saints do you think is going to be growing in the Lord faster? Which of these two saints do you think is going to be making, becoming more like Jesus and being used by God more and be more Christ-like in their character and nature and have more joy and peace in their life? I promise you, the word, more importantly, the Word of God would promise you, it's going to be the, the child of God that's walking in obedience. Those Corinthian believers were carnal, but they were still believers. They'll be in heaven with us, Okay? But they, were, they had all kinds of sin and worldliness and ungodliness and things that were inappropriate for a child of God. You know what that would do? That would eat away at their own joy, at their own peace, at their own power. Uh, let's say to walk in victory over sin or temptation. That's going to come from walking closely to the Lord. When I walk closely to the Lord, I'm going to hear His voice. He's going to steer me clear of some things that may look good, but they're really not good. God's going to steer me clear of that. You see? And I'm going to be going and making that progress with the Lord and have a much more joyful life. My standing in Christ as being holy doesn't change, but in my behavior and conduct, it will greatly change if I'm yielding to an obedient life to Christ and to His Word as opposed to not doing that. And so uh, I just want to read a couple of Scriptures here. You don't have to turn there. 2 Corinthians 2.9 For to this end... Also did I write. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. It says, For this purpose I wrote to you, that I might, I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. Paul wasn't there with them physically, but he brought the Gospel to the, the Corinthians. They believed. He stayed there, I forget how long, a year and a half maybe, and, and a church was started. And, and then he's checking on them because he has a, a pastor's heart. And he's an apostle and he's checking on this church while he's at another place. Then he says, this is what I'm writing to y'all. Because I want to know if you're obedient in all things. Not if you're saved or not. But are you as saved men and women obedient in all things? It's important to the Lord. Okay? I want you to turn with me in your Bibles and let's, read, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to kind of skip around. We're going to read verse 2, and then we'll move on down to verse 13. Alright, Peter says, Elect according to the foreknowledge, 1 Peter 1-2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience. 
and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. This is just his introduction, his salutation where he's, he's greeting them. And he says that we're elect based on our knowledge of God the Father through sanctification unto obedience. I know it's a simple thing, but we're talking about obedience this morning. Our salvation is to be unto obedience. Now, we wouldn't be saved if we weren't at least obedient to the faith in the sense that we're obedient to the Gospel. When the Gospel was first preached to you as a child or an adult or whenever, and, and we believed in our heart and confessed with our mouth and turned our lives over to God, that was obedience to the Gospel. But we're also saved through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience. It's to a life that would be characterized by obedience to God. Beforehand, we were, we were enemies of God. We were out there on our own, servants of the God of this world. Skip down to verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Now, we're going to start looking at instructions where God's telling us what to do through His Word. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, we're already His children, this doesn't tell us how to become a child. We're already children. We're saved. But as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as He which has called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. Verse 22. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love for the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. But look back at verse 14. It says, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. And I hate to say it, but y'all, there's, a, there's a, a day in which we live in Christianity to where there's a real uh, avoiding of talking about obedience. That people don't want to talk about obedience. It sounds legalistic. It sounds pharisaical. It sounds no fun. It sounds like there's no grace when you talk about obedience. But you can't avoid it. The Bible talks about the grace of God is teaching us how to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. We're saved through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience as children, not fashioning yourselves according to your former lust, the, way we, the things we used to desire and pursue after. Don't do that anymore. Don't be afraid, y'all, to talk about obedience. Okay? Now, you can get out of balance in anything. If all we ever do is hammer, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, and that's all we were focused on, we would be robotic, miserable kind of Christians. I understand that. So that's not what we're doing. We're looking at the whole counsel of God. God's Word says it's His grace that helps us to obey. His grace shows us. It's our teacher. Shows us how to live holy and soberly and righteously. When we sin and we don't live holy in any particular moment of our Christian life, there is forgiveness. There's the blood of Jesus. There's mercy if we confess our sins, right? But the calling doesn't change. And we're living in a time where people don't want, uh, and I'm talking about in Christian circles, totally, they do more than downplay obedience. They actually like, oppose it almost. They ridicule it. It's almost like obedience is shunned. It's looked at as being 
Um, again, legalistic, pharisaical and so forth. Uh, no grace, no joy, no love. And yet it's the loving man that obeys God. The one that, that truly loves the Lord is going to obey Him. Right? And, and we're saved uh, not by our obedience. We're saved through obedient, by obeying the faith in Jesus. But then He's called us to a life of holiness. And so I want to read, uh, I want to read a quote here by uh, F.B. Meyer. I'm reading a wonderful book by him. And he says this, When we no longer fashion ourselves according to the former lust, but according to the will of God, that is obedience. It is impossible to exaggerate the importance of this truth. Obedience is not, is not holiness. Holiness is the possession of the soul by God. But holiness always leads to obedience. And I would think that obedience could also help lead to holiness. So understand that simply obeying God doesn't justify me in the sense that Christ justifies me freely. But, but uh, the obedience to God is going to continue to produce this holiness in my life. I, wonder, I want you to read a couple more Scriptures with me. John chapter 14. <clears throat> I don't know if you highlight your Bible or not. Uh, if you do, there's some good scriptures to highlight right here. John 14:21 says, "He he that hath my commandments, this is our Lord speaking, and keeps them. He it is that loves me, and he that loves me shall be loved by my fa- of my Father." And I will love him and will manifest myself unto him. Verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him, and we will come and make our abode, our dwelling place with him. Chapter, uh, verse 15 of the same chapter. If you love me, keep my commandments. John 15, verse 14. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Now, I read those real quickly, and I just wanted us to see that there is a link. There is an inescapable link between loving God and obeying God. And then there's an inescapable link between obey, loving obeying God and the fruit that's going to come from that. The holiness, the, the Christian maturity, the growth, right? This personal sanctification, my behavior. And so loving God is characterized by an obedience to the Lord. They're not they're they're linked together. I've given the illustration before it's in Foundations One, the book uh, that F. B. Meyer shared a story about, and I know you've heard it, but I'm gonna give it again anyway, but uh, there was this country dog in England, lived in the countryside in the farm country of England years ago. And for whatever reason, the, the owner had to sell the dog. And that dog was, had no fences, no boundaries. It would just roam all around and come back at night, live the most wonderful, happy life, just roaming around. Well, it got sold to another man. The man brought him, uh, who lived in London in the big city. And the man lived in an apartment. And so he had his, his apartment there. And uh, he, the dog is definitely living a different life. He's cooped up in little four walls. Every evening, the, the guy would, uh, the owner loved the dog. The dog loved the owner, but he would put a collar on him and his leash, and every evening they'd take their walk through the park. The dog really looked forward to this. 
And the dog got so used to it, he knew when it was time, and finally it's time for the walk. And the, and the dog would actually stand up and stick its neck out waiting for the, the collar to be put on. And the owner looked at him and said, not today, boy. Not today. I'm not putting a collar on you today. You know, and so he opens the door. They're going to take the walk without the leash and collar. Well, the dog just bolts, okay? Takes off, goes around the corner, uh, and the man's just standing by his door waiting. A few minutes later, the dog comes back, walks, and just sits down right by, by his own master. And the, illust- the point of this illustration, I think it's a good one. What was the leash that held the dog now? It was love. He loved his owner. He loved his master. He didn't have to be told, do this, do this, don't do this. He wanted to be with him. He didn't have to physically have a collar and a leash on him. And so there's a link between our love for God and our obedience to the Lord. Okay, And loving and obeying God is going to produce a holiness in our character and nature where Christ is being formed in us more and more. And um, there's, it's just, we can't escape it. When I look at the people uh, that faithfully obeyed the Lord, like in Hebrews 11, Rahab, by faith, she hid the spies, right? And by faith, uh, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Noah built the ark. They were moved by faith to obey God. It says, Noah being moved by fear, obeyed the Lord and built the ark. So there's this faith and faith and love and you know love and obedience and obedience producing the holiness or the lifestyle that he's called us to do to to live and that he desires to be produced in our life and so uh, if a if a man is careless a believer let's say careless is the way I'll describe it and their their walk with the Lord they obey God sometimes they don't it's not that really important to them. They would say it is, but they're, they're really maybe caught up in other things right now. They're not really focusing on God. Their obedience to God, their devotion to God, their steadfastness to the Lord is slack. Is lacking. Okay? All of us, to some degree, have been there or are there. Let's say he's not diligent in his own pursuit of Christ. And that would be evidenced by a lack of prayer. He's not praying a lot. Is evidenced by a lack of, of time in God's Word, meditating on it and studying it. Uh, a lack of worship, a lack of faith, a lack of service to the Lord. That man is going to find, though he is a believer and he's founded upon Christ, the rock, he is going to find the world creeping in on him more and more. He's going to be caught up in the world. Most of his time and his thoughts and his mind is going to be on worldly things. I've been wronged and poor me and this and that or worldly pursuits or finances or material things. He'll be caught up in worldly things. The world will be creeping in upon him more and more. His affections are going to be more and more on the world and the things of the world. When the Bible says to believers, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. It's all going to pass away. But see, he's slack. He's slack in his prayer life and his obedience to the Lord. It's not that important to him right now. The world's encroached, you know, and come into an area that should be sanctified for God. Into his heart, his mind, his spirit. He's going to find himself living more of a worldly carnal life and the joy and the peace is going to be gone. That's his for the taking and that God wants him to have. And it's going to be lacking and he'll definitely be lacking in his own 
spiritual progress and his maturity and his growth with the, with the Lord. And th this is what we're talking about. That's why James says, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. He says, whoso the, uh, looks into the perfect law of liberty, I believe that's the law of liberty in Christ Jesus. Whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he not being a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man's going to be blessed in his deed. A doer of the work. He looks into what God's called him to do as a Christian. This is the way of Christians to live. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you empower me to live it. <coughs> now, this is what I'm going to... I'm not going to be a forgetful here. I want to be a doer of this work. That man's going to be blessed. That man's going to be blessed. He's going to be growing. He's going to be maturing in the Lord. I want to read a couple more uh, quotes by F.B. Meyer. He says, The cry of holiness rings through the Bible. It's the, the uh, keynote of Leviticus. He says, In fact, all of God's plan of redemption, all the way through the descent of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, has had this for its purpose, that we who have been the subjects of the grace of God should resemble Him who saved us in His holiness. I believe that. I believe that God's called us to the life, that life, and, and He empowers us for that life as well. And so, uh, I want to read another quote here. It says, he, he who knows all things knows much about love. Now we hear a lot of talk about love today in, in the church, and we should, but it needs to be right. It needs to be right. After all, love is measured not by feelings, listen to this, nor or size or tears, but by acts. <coughs> to love Christ by just, you love Christ just as much as you are prepared to do or suffer or give up for Him. Now I think that's pretty true. He says our love for God is not measured by size and tears and oh and all this kind of stuff. It's measured by our dedication to God, our devotion to the Lord, which is evidenced by our obedience to the Lord, our obedience to Christ. Uh, James, 1 John says, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So there's a difference. Loving in tongue is that somebody could give the most flattering, beautiful speech it brings you to tears how much they love you or how much they love God. And yet, the real test, the James John says, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. True love is going to be measured by the reality of that put into practice, a self-sacrifice for the good of another, for God, for others, in Jesus' name, whatever it may be. He goes on to say, the key of, to the knowledge of love the love of Jesus is not in singing rapturous hymns nor in seeking to arouse intense emotion, but in quietly doing daily deeds of self-denial for His sake. Quietly doing daily deeds of self-denial for His sake. While He measures the least act of love, not by the magnitude of the deed itself, but by the strength of the love which prompts it. Which prompts it. And so the Lord knows. The Lord knows. People can get deceived or confused. We think this is love. We think that's love. God knows. God knows if we love Him. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. He that has my commandments and keeps them, 
He it is that loves me. And so I would stress to us and to myself, let's be a people that are mature. When we talk about love, and we have to get on our faces before God that we would love that way, okay? It does take a work of God in our hearts to do that. But let's know that's what real love is. Love is not always just crying a tear and sighing and singing some song that brings you to tears. Love's going to be in quietly doing the daily deeds of obedience to God. It could be it could manifest itself in crying as well. It could manifest itself in in singing a song to the Lord. Okay? But it's definitely going to manifest itself in the daily deeds. Just quietly going about our business. Christ is my Lord. I suffer a little bit here because I obeyed God and I didn't obey what I wanted to do. I suffered a little here because I did for others instead of myself. I suffered a little here for, for Jesus' sake. You understand what I mean? And we don't look at the suffering part so much. We look at the Lord and the, the joy of being His. We deserve hell. Amen? He saved us. So uh, whatever He gives us is a blessing. And I just want to let you know that the, the, the Lord Himself is the one who strengthens us for this obedience. And we'll be closing with this, this thought or bringing it to a close. The obedience to the Lord is very important to God. And He knows that. And He is able to enable us to do it. So you can't say, well, Lord, you call me to do to, to love my neighbor as myself. I just can't do it. And he says, I know you can't do it, but I, if you'll come to me, I'll equip you to do it. I'll love them through you. You see, that's why Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. That speaks of a death to himself. Nevertheless, I live, but it's really not me living. It's Christ living in and through me. So God calls us to do something. And we say it's beyond me, but don't stop there. Say, yes, it's beyond me, but it's not beyond you in me. You can sacrifice like that. You can obey like that through me. You can love like that through me. You can change my affections and desires and make them line up with the Word of God what they should be because they're not there now. I still love a lot of worldly things and I'm drawn to them and I feel tugged to them. Can, and, and don't stop there. Go to the Lord and say, help me. Help me. And He will help us. I want to read what Smith Wigglesworth said. He says, where there is a standard that has not been yet reached in your Christian life. Okay? We all have that. Some place in our Christian life, we're not there yet, so to speak. We want to be there. And God's Word told us to be there. He says, God in His grace and by His mercy and your yieldedness can equip you for that place. He can prepare you for that place that you could never be prepared for except by a broken heart in a contrite spirit, except by a yielding to the will of God. So there is an important... God wants to do it. He can do it. He cannot bring me to that next growth step, <coughs> that place of obedience, if I'm not yielding to Him. We at least have to yield to Him. Okay? And submit to Him and call upon Him and let Him do that work in our life. But that has to be there. If it's not, then we're just caught up in the world. We're not even thinking about God. We're plodding along in the world. We're going to go from just sin to sin and, and not make any kind of pro progress in our Lord. Have no joy. Have no peace. And God delights in our obedience. It's, it's important to the Lord. It is important to the Lord. Not beautiful poetry and everything like that that we write about Jesus, but obedience to the faith. He delights in that. 
Listen to what uh, Samuel told Saul, King Saul in the Old Testament. Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? It's a rhetorical question. What does God delight in the most? Burnt offerings and sacrifices? Oh, the sweet, sweet smell and aroma that goes up to heaven? Or would He rather see obedience in the heart of the man who's offering the sacrifice? He'd rather see that obedience, okay? What does He delight in? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken to the fat of rams. Okay, so again, there's so much preaching on love and so forth, but it being unconditional, it is. Being perfect, God's love for us, it is. It's all those things. We don't have to earn it. We don't merit it. We could preach the rest of our lives on the love of God, but we don't want to misrepresent it. And our love for the Lord is not because we say we love the Lord, but because we've been born again and we're walking in obedience to the faith. That demonstrates our love and that's a proof of the measure of our love for Christ. So I want the Lord to be pleased with my life. I don't want to impress you by saying words that could bring us to tears about how much we love God. I want us to be an obedient people that walks with God. And maybe we will but bawling our eyes out crying sometime when the Holy Spirit moves upon our hearts or we're grateful for the grace of God and so forth and the love of God. Amen. But, but our love for the Lord is going to be obedience by our, uh, be evidenced by our obedience to the Lord. Okay? Be not satisfied with the prayer and desire, but do, F.B. Meyer says, and thus there will come over your, your face and life more likeness to the Father of your spirits, and you will be holy. How few Christian people seem to realize that obedience in little things, in all things, to the will and law of Jesus is the indispensable condition of life and joy and power. How few Christians realize it, because I think it's not preached. If you go pick up your average book in the Christian bookstore, it's not going to be about obedience to the faith. It may be about joy. And it might be about love. And it might be about peace. But a faithful obedience to the Lord in little daily things of your Christianity is what's going to produce that in our lives. God's going to produce it as we yield to Him. The obedient soul, listen to this, is the holy soul. Penetrated and filled by the presence of God and all aglow with light and love. And so, I'm going to be bringing this to a close, but, but the Bible says that that the Lord gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. There's a definitely from and unto. From the sin and iniquity unto uh, good works. That's an obedience. Actually working it out. Working out our salvation in fear and trembling. The focus needs to be on Jesus though, y'all. It needs to be on the Lord. It needs to be in prayer. It needs to be in the Word of God. And God will enable us to do that. And I'll close with this. That, that when we walk in obedience to the Lord, y'all, this testifies. To me, it's a testimony of the power of God and the love of God and the goodness of God. If you looked at me and, and I'm walking in disobedience or sort of sporadic obedience, that's not going to really glorify God. It's not. It's not going to uh, testify to a lost world of the, the power of God to redeem. 
But if I'm walking in obedience to the Lord, even when it's hard, even when I'm suffering, so to speak, for it, I'm taking a loss and nobody notices me and they're getting all the praise over there and I'm, they don't even know what good things I'm doing for them and people don't recognize my Christianity. But when I'm living for God and obeying the Lord, it is testifies of His power not only to save a sinner, but to take an unholy man and make him holy. It testifies of God's power. He really he didn't just I didn't just join a religion. Look at me, I'm not the same man I used to be. In practice, I used to watch this filth on TV. I don't watch it anymore. I used to lie every time it would get me out of a bond. And I don't do that anymore. I just take the 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 hard hit from not lying and telling the truth sometimes. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not the same person that I used to be. And it's all glory to God because we're walking in obedience. It testifies of God's power to save and to sanctify and take an ungodly sinful man or woman and make them holy. So walk in obedience to the Lord for God's sake. And then for your own sake, that true joy and holiness, that true holiness is going to produce that joy in your own life. For God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Amen? That's what He's called us to. And, and the Bible says we're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that we should show forth those, those praises to God. I want you to stand with me this morning. And uh, there's a lot that we could talk about on this, but I want you to see in our, in our series on holiness, positional doesn't change. It's what Christ did for us freely by His grace to all that put true saving faith in Jesus. Practical holiness is progressive. It's ongoing. It's something that God's Spirit is working in us. But in order for Him to effectively work in us, we have to be yielded to Him. We have to walk in obedience to the Lord. I'm not afraid to talk about obedience. It doesn't bring me into bondage. It doesn't make me a legalist. It doesn't make me a Pharisee. The true joy and liberty is going to come as I walk in obedience to the Lord. And I'm not afraid to tell you about it either and for you to tell me about it. And the Lord tells us all about it by His Word and by His Spirit. I'll close with this Scripture and the altars are open now. So D, if you come and play... You take some time at your pew. You take some time uh, where, where God would lead you to. But I want to read this scripture. The calling, it says in Colossians, Colossians 1.10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I'm just going to read it again. Remember, we're talking about a walk of holiness. We're not saved by that walk. We're saved by grace. But now that I am saved, I walk it out. So I'm not trying to help God save me. I'm not trying to add to His grace that ye might walk worthy, walk of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work as things that we do and increasing in the knowledge of God. That is our practical holiness where day by day, little by little, we're becoming more like our Savior. The Bible says when we see Him, we'll be like Him. For we'll see Him as He is. Between now and then, He's he's working in us. I want Him to work. I want Him to work in my life. He's got a lot of work to do in my life. And we need to yield to Him. So would you take some time this morning as we pray and get along with the Lord and let Him examine your heart about your own obedience to God 
about your own love for the Lord? Do, you, do we just say we love the Lord in tongue and in words, but do we love God and others in deed and in truth? Like F.B. Meyer says, we're, it's, our love is not measured by our size, our singing rapturous songs, but by daily doing the small things in obedience to the Lord. We love the Lord just as much as we're willing to sacrifice and give up and do for the Lord. And greater love had no man than this than a man who lay down his life for his friends. That's the love that the Lord has displayed and proven to us. And Father, we come before you this morning. God, I want to thank you. This is important, God. This is important thought and this important biblical truth that we've been studying the last few weeks, God. And even this morning, God, you have us here this morning for a reason. We didn't just come to hear a good sermon and leave. We've come to meet with you, God. And we're praying you would take your living word that's been spoken and that you would seal it in our hearts, that you would do this work, an eternal work in our hearts and lives, but make us more like Jesus, God, in every way. And Father, we just yield to your Lordship. We're not afraid to yield to you. You're not going to beat us. You're not going to be merciless, God. We're yielding to our Heavenly Father who loves us. And God, we give ourselves to You like we sang about this morning. Take my dreams, all my plans, all my hopes, everything. We give ourselves away so You can use us. And we give ourselves away to You so that You can work that holiness in us that You desire to produce in our lives, God. Help us, Lord. Thank You that You have the answer. When we're weak and we can't do it, our, our help is in the Lord. Our strength comes from You. We don't have to go somewhere else. We don't have to turn inwardly to ourselves. We call upon the living God and say, make me holy. Make me honest and so I won't be a liar. Make me uh, holy in what I set my eyes upon. Make me selfless to where I truly prefer others. Call upon the Lord this morning. Ask Him to work this in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.